0: Hey everybody, it's Film Friday. Horrorween is behind us, so this is going to be the first movie of November. No, we don't have a theme here. We're not doing Thanksgiving films. This week, we are going to be watching and reviewing Reptile. Hey, welcome and happy Film Friday to all my Film nerds cinephiles, and thousand movie fictionados. Um, hope you guys had some fun last week Well, month, I guess I should say, uh, for Halloween, That was, um, a lot of horror films. I actually watched an additional film. Um, <laughs> the nun part two that I was going to do as a special release for Halloween, but I decided not to do that because that movie was just abysmal. Then again, I guess I, sh- I could have, but I just figured that no one wanted to hear me, you know, um, shit on a film for an hour and some change anywho thank you guys so much for coming back to uh the first episode of november i am back running this bad boy solo dolo per usual um so yeah oh in case you didn't know this is flicks and scripts with jay starks my name is jay starks i guess i could technically say that in in the beginning Eh. anyway um so this week guys we're going to be covering reptile um this one was kind of interesting to me. I don't know much about it. The reason why it was on my radar is because I have a particular uh, friend of mine. His name is uh Anthony Bruno. And we met on a film um, where I was being the on set dresser for that particular film. And what was kind of cool was this gentleman, this um, dope ass dude is real cool. He happened to to tell me that he worked on this film called Reptile. He didn't give me a whole bunch about it because, you know, you can't really say anything. But anyway, he was the art director for it. And he was also the art director on a project that I worked with him for. So anyway, real cool guy. And he was telling me about it, say it was going to be fantastic. And I could tell from his excitement on, um, on the quality of the film that he had worked on. So ever since I found out about that, which was, I don't know, a year or two ago, I've been itching to uh review this one and in fact um little little insider thing i know at one point in time they had to do reshoots i'm thinking they had to go back and do reshoots so they brought some of the art department back in so that's another reason why it might have taken a little longer to come out anyway let's hop right into it right so reptile Reptile is rated R. It is uh, actually been released on Netflix of September 29th, 2023. So it's labeled as a crime drama mystery. Let's get into the log line. You already know. Tom Nichols is a hardened New England detective, unflinching in his pursuit of a case where nothing is as it seems, and it begins to dismantle the illusions in his own life. Ooh, I'm um, really excited about this beyond the fact of um, a friend of mine, Anthony Bruno, telling me about it, who once again worked on this film. But uh, yeah, they got a great cast. Man, like I didn't, I haven't watched any trailers per usual, um, or which is usually the case, but I was excited about it um, just from the cast, which we're going to get into in a second. But before we do that, let's go ahead and unwrap some of our crew here. So, our director for this is Mr. Grant. Singer. Now, when I was pulling this up on IMDb Pro and was looking at it, I was like, man, that name rings a bell. And I could not remember why or what films I may have watched that he has done. And I think my answer was uh or should I say my question was answered in the fact that I don't know any of the movies that he's done, which is kind of interesting, right? So when I get on to IMDB, I realize that this this bad boy, um, unless I'm not reading correctly or didn't read it correctly, this is his feature film debut. But Mr. Grant Singer is a well-versed video director, and that I believe is where his name, um, kind of has that familiar, uh, you know, that familiar uh, sound and what have you. But yeah, oh my gosh, if you man, y'all, this man, uh, is right <laughs> i'm sorry this is directed sam smith to die for sam smith how do you sleep five seconds of summer easier the weekend call out my name camilla cabello like lord zane and taylor swift uh the future the weekend again like he if you name it he has worked with this area grande the weekend again he loves working with the weekend i mean his pfft, sky fier like this guy works man and he's been working a lot doing he looking at his imdb pro he gives me that old school 90s um director feel right um and i mean that in the sense of like you know michael bay came from um he, he was doing commercials and then you had a lot of uh music film directors were making those jumps into making films um so I, I haven't seen a director as of late that kind of still does that thing so that this is going to be interesting. And what's even more interesting about this is Mr. Grant Singer also served as writer and story. So he crafted this story, wrote it and directed it. So and this is his first feature. And I, I <laughs> you might be able to hear the excitement in my voice, but I can I promise you that I am not purposely finding um the the first films by these these directors but this year i have happened like i feel as though i what is it three or four where this is their first feature so i'm excited about this i don't know what's going on but okay sure um so anyway so he served as a writer um so writer story by benicio del toro also had a screenplay um credit so he probably went in there had some suggestions things of that nature so that's pretty cool so for producers we have thud sorry not thud I apologize. Thad Luckinbill. So he was uh, on Sicario, La La Land, Just Married, and Trent Luckinbill, which on the same thing. But I don't know. maybe or may not be brothers, but I'm not going to go through and um, bore you guys with that. Um, our composer, I know I'm going to mess his name up. Uh, Y-A-I-R-E-L-A-Z-A-R-G-L-O-T-M-A-N. I'm going to try to say it. I'm going to try to say it. Okay. Yair, Elazar Glotman, maybe. But anyway, uh, Mr. Glotman uh, also did music for "Reptile." Uh, All is Quiet on the Western Front, which is on my list of films. I've heard that that film is amazing. And I believe I want to say that All is Quiet was an original screenplay as well, too. So that's pretty cool. So, yeah, he's on here for our cinematographer. We have Mike. Oh, man. These names, I I don't want to butcher these, but I might. So I, I, I'm i sorry. Mike, I'm going to spell the last name G I O U L A K I S. So I don't know, maybe Greek? Mike Geolakis or something like that is European. So uh, let's see. He's done some things that you and I have, may have heard about. So he was the DP for Old, which was the film uh, by M. Night Shyamalan. He was the DP for Us. Yes, as in um, Jordan Peele's second foray into the horror thing and Us was amazing. Of course, he's DP for Reptile. He's the DP for one of my favorite horror films with a bullet point. It follows. If y'all have not seen It Follows, please do yourself a favor and go watch it. In fact, speaking of which, a little side note, apparently they're doing a sequel to that called They Follow since by the original director. I'm not sure how I feel about that, because as you guys may already know, I'm not really, really big on sequels. So we'll see how that turns out. Hopefully it works out and it's enjoyable. But who knows what to bring the original guy back. So that might be pretty cool. So let's see. But yeah, so he's done some things that I have definitely heard and seen and I greatly us was shot beautifully it follows once again oh my uh, it follows so good anyway our editor is kevin hickman so he worked on nightcrawler rogue one so he's worked on some pretty big budget things at the at the bat our casting director is miss tamara lee Notcut. um so she did devotion oh that was the uh film with uh jonathan majors who coincidentally enough the production designer for that one, I've also worked with before in other films. It's such a cool little thing that's happening nine degrees separation. And last but not least, our production designer is Mr. Patrick M. Sullivan Jr. Let's see. So Mr. Patrick, he's done things like uh, he was the art director, should I say, for Memoirs of a Geisha. He was uh, the art director for Changeling. He was that was with the um, what's her name? Angelina Jolie. Yes, yes. So, yeah, Changeling. <laughs> was by um he was also the assistant art director for ai as in the steven spielberg film for artificial intelligence so they got a stacked. good job grant you had a stacked squad as far as crew so that's super dope super dope last but not least we're going to get into the actors so some of our top bill cast i already mentioned mr benicio del toro that oh man i've not seen a movie I've never seen a performance from him that I have not truly and utterly appreciated. He is on my like, honestly, you know, if uh, my actor Mount Rushmore is that's four people, I need to figure that out. But he will be up there. I'm telling you right now. Benicio Del Toro has always been amazing. And Sicario, that was one of the more recent huge ones. They also did a sequel, but the original Sicario. So good, man. You just got to His. His performance is literally awe inspiring to the point when I was watching Sicario for the first time, like my mouth is just open watching him. It's, there's a scene in the dinner. There's a dinner table scene. If you've seen the movie, ah, Benicio Del Toro. I'm so excited about this film since he's in it. Um, secondly, our second looks like our second second top bill cast is Mr. Justin Timberlake from NSYNC. Um, uh, OK, you know, uh, <laughs> we'll see. We will see. I have not been the biggest fans of Justin Timberlake's acting, um. So you know, take that with a grain of salt. You already kind of know. Hopefully, that doesn't somewhat affect my my thought process on it. Now, th- this man is an amazing singer songwriter, though not. But yeah, so he was in um trolls he was did the voice for trolls but in this one he's this is live action one of the last ones he did was uh one i know one that i saw was in in time i believe it's called was not super impressed by that i'm telling i just i i'm just not a fan of him and acting you know um and i don't know if it's the roles that he does like i didn't see social network um because i'm not the biggest fan of uh What's his face? Uh, Man, I'm forgetting people's names left and right. Jesse Eisenberg. So I haven't watched that one, although I'm pretty sure. And I heard his amazing David Fincher directed it and Aaron Sorkin wrote it. So I'm sure it's going to be fantastic. I just got to build myself up to watch two people who I'm not the biggest fan of their acting. (laughs) Like just thinking of Justin Timberlake and Jesse Eisenberg kind of. Ah. (laughs) So anyway, so we'll see. But Mr. JT is uh, our second build on here. Alicia Silverstone guys from Clueless is in this film. What? I haven't seen her do. I I don't know when the last time I saw her do a movie. That's incredible. Anyway, so Alicia Silverstone's in there and you know, I'm going to shout out um, Miss Catherine Dyer. So Catherine, if you happen to be listening to this, um, I mentioned on the last podcast, I train at this a uh, Fantastic acting school in Atlanta called Drama Inc. And all of the, the the four owners and the instructors are working actors. And I mean, like you could turn on something, you know, whatever a popular show or movie is. And one of them is probably in it. They are constantly teaching and stay booking. And I love that about this school. So Drama Inc. in Atlanta, they have um, online classes. as Well, if you're an aspiring actor, you know, go ahead and hit them up. Um, Anyway, Inc. Uh, as an in INC. So anyway, but Catherine Dyer, she's one of the owners and teachers there. So she's in this movie. So that's going to be super exciting, exciting to see her. And more importantly, one of the producers, Thad Luckinbill. I just got to call him out because he's in it. So he's in there as well. He's like, yeah, give me a role. I'm down. And last but not least, Miss Sky Fer Ferraria, which Mr. Grant has also directed some of the videos for. So anyway, this would be an interesting film. I like I said, don't know what it's about, but just the fact that Benicio is in it. I'm sold. So I'm gonna go ahead and give this this bad boy a watch. And when I come back. After our intermission, then we're going to have a little post-production breakdown for Reptile. I was going to do like a Mortal Kombat joke, but I I was like, ah. All right. (laughs) I'll see you guys when I finish. Hey, folks. Thank you so much for listening in for the first portion of our, I guess I should just say pre-production segment of Reptile. Um, Just uh, for this intermission, it's going to be a little bit different. I'm thinking once again, remember, I'm learning as, I, as I'm doing this. So I'm thinking instead of telling you guys in this particular episode what's coming up next, I'm thinking of maybe doing a teaser Tuesday. So on the Instagram page, Flick and, Flicks and Scripts with Jay Starks. Once again, that is Flicks and Scripts with Jay Starks on the Instagram page, I'm thinking of dropping little teasers every Tuesday on what film I have coming up uh, for that Friday. So that's that's why we're going to switch it up a little bit. With that being said, I do want to give you guys a little heads up. I'm, I'm doing some forward thinking here. I already got my idea for March. The whole month of March is going to be fantastic. This uh, series that I have in mind that I've never seen uh, fully through. So it's going to be awesome. It's going to be literally, anyway, that's March. I'm getting ahead of myself, but what I am thinking about, I just want to give you guys a little a little tease, a little hint for December. I want to do two films. So one of those films, I'm, I'm not sure where it's going to fall on the calendar, right? But the one of those films I want to do is A Violet Night. And another film, this is gonna be like a special. I know normally I review uh films for the first time, but I think I want to do something interesting, right? I think I'm going to have a co-host and we're going to debate whether or not a specific film is in fact a Christmas film or not. Now, some of you listening may already know what film I'm talking about is one of my favorite Christmas movies of all fucking time. And there's a lot of Internet debate over, I don't know, decades on whether or not this is, in fact, a true Christmas movie. So that's my little two um, or that's the hint about that one. And the other film is going to be Violent Night. So December is going to be looking up. Still haven't figured out what I'm going to watch in November. I think November is going to be kind of a a grab bag. So I don't really know what I'm going to watch until I watch it. I do think the next one is going to be a comedy. So you have any comedies? Slip me, you know, slide into them DMs. Um, slip me an email. Let me know. Anywho, thank you guys for listening. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the rest of this post-production segment for Reptile. Thank you. Hello, welcome back, guys, to the um the second half, the post-production breakdown, as we call it here on Flicks and Scripts with Jay Starks. Uh, we're going to talk reptile I am literally 10 seconds away from the film ending so the credits are still rolling and we're going to get well rolling on this post-production breakdown so yeah you know what okay okay just to start off I just want to say I thoroughly enjoyed this film let's put it there um but we're going to get more into that on the, you know, the whole subjective side per usual uh, once we get to that point. So let's um, I just want to get started. Let's just dive right in. OK, so once again, welcome uh, back. all you film nerds, movie fiction and and, you know, all you you people that watch films? Um, Reptile which is as of right now I believe a Netflix original or should I say it debuted on Netflix how about that um yeah okay okay let's just jump into it so starting off of course we're going to start with some um some of the the background stuff we're going to talk a little bit about some sound design some camera work and you know the the uh, the, the the typical stuff that you typically or excuse me, that I typically talk about when um discussing films. So I think to start off with, to begin with, I wanna talk about I don't know normally I start off with art, but you know I'm not gonna talk about art here. I wanna talk about the camera work first and foremost. And as as most of you guys already know, I'm not a cinematographer. I mean I've I've done it before, but I would never consider myself to be a cinematographer or DP. And. This film was shot so well, and. You know, I've mentioned it in other in previous episodes that I thoroughly enjoy a, a, a film that has. Beautiful cinematography that doesn't draw attention to said cinematography, you know. And I feel as though this film almost has a a comforting feel, if that makes sense. So, of course, you know, as as I stated in the pre production, that it's a crime drama mystery. You can tell that from the cinematography, at least for me, that it gave off inklings of something's not right because you you have this almost picturesque you know it opens up with this with this home that clearly someone is selling and the home is kind of beautiful other than the the dirty nasty pool (laughs) that that Justin Timberlake's character covers up and I I forgot I'm sorry I'm supposed to call him by their actor name that Will Grady Justin Timberlake's character covered up, but it has this almost slice of life feel, but it also to me feels as though it sets up a little bit of everything's not as sunny and hunky dory as, as one would assume. Right. And then of course it jumps right into that and kind of really sets up for it in that second scene um, with the, what was her name? Mm. With Will Grady's "Sniff Out summer, 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 almost forgot her name with summer. So it kind of set that up a little bit from that scene, which was a nice little scene of breadcrumb dropping, you know. And it kind of just gave you this, 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 this weird unsettling feeling that. Yeah, you know, that it might be in this nice area this nice city or what have you and and you know they have shots of some of the homes and everything else and has this this sort of elegance to it right but then at the same time with the slow camera movements, it does have a sense of dread and and mysteriousness about it which i definitely appreciate you know i definitely love that um so Cinematography was fantastic. The lighting, I i have no complaints about the lighting, everything. I feel as though the lighting that was accomplished with this film very much served the purpose of the story. But you know what I really liked about this film? And I, I know it's not it, it gave me old school vibes, if that makes sense. Like. Very throwback. Filmmaking uh akin to you know what's interesting for example if we talk david fincher right who is a phenomenal fantastic fucking director and and i don't mean this as a slight to grant um the director and writer or the cinematographer mike Glaucus. Sorry sorry i messed that up um but it gave me definitely fincher vibes and i mean that in the best way possible because fincher tends to have these films that have a a, a a a grittiness to them, a natural grittiness, if that makes sense. Where it's not just dark ambiance and and just shady shit happening or a shady feeling, but it's this this weird feeling of uneasiness un- unnervingness that david fincher tends to put into his films and when i was watching this i definitely felt that same emotional pool if that makes sense so i mean that in the best way possible so immediately cinematography i i loved i love what they chose to do with the camera work it was simplistic it was all well done i loved some of the angles that they did were of obscuring um People and things and when they decided to use close-ups, they were well-deserved and well, freaking fantastic. Like there was, you knew like the close-ups raked up, is it raked up or raked up? Is that the, is that the, whatever, I don't know. It, it, It took the, it took the tension up to another level. Like one of my favorite um pieces close-ups cuz they don't have to me. I don't feel as though the close-ups of actors especially. They don't have a whole lot but when they did have them they they worked so well. One of my favorites was the the scene with Tom, which is Benicio del Toro's character and Wally, who is Dominic Lombardosi, Lombardozi, which we'll talk about his performance later on and that man they had th- this scene it was just it was the two of them I guess they were in like the break room of the police department or whatever and it reeked of tension and it was and what I love about it it was it was slow and methodical right it wasn't forced it wasn't um they didn't even necessarily use like music that was overbearing to ratchet up that tension. Maybe I want to say ratchet. Maybe let's, you know, let's go ratchet. We're going to ratchet up the tension. But yeah. So anyway, I really love it because it has this, this, like I said, this sense of dread combined with this beautiful, simplistic naturalistic lighting and camera moves and I adored it for that you know I greatly appreciate and understand a good bit about camera work but I just feel man it was well done well done simple nothing fancy nothing over the top and I loved how they played with shadows in this film Um, A lot of the characters duplicitous feel to it. Right. So and which is understandable because this is a mystery, you know, a crime mystery. Um, So it's almost supposed to have this kind of sort of whodunit feel. And I and I feel (laughs) as though they definitely succeeded in giving us a bit of that, because at some points in time, you have a character that is bathed in light and then they'll walk to another area and the next thing you know now they're they're in shadows and i feel as though that really helped almost make you it 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 helped to make you question who or what should be you know questioning so to speak because of course i us as the viewer we're we're on this trip with wally benicio's character so we're supposed to almost be a detective while we're watching it unfold and i really love films like that and i think that's part of the reason why i feel as though it had that old school quality and feel as well was because of this crime drama feel because you know what it's 2023 and i don't i am at a loss trying to remember or or recall the last crime drama that i watched you know if um yeah so kudos to to grant and benicio for writing it and um benjamin brewer um because i feel as though they tapped into something that's not it's not showcased as much especially in 2023 and you know this might be because of the whole influx of superhero movies and and, um, you know, your run of the mill, typical existing IP films. And this was an original film. And it in, in, invoked that older feel from a movie. And, and, and I mean that in the best way possible. I felt like I was watching something. You know, from, I don't know, maybe a decade ago, you know, is is, is nothing fancy. There's n- no crazy CGI. There's no fucking explosions. There's no loud music and everything else. It's just great storytelling with great actors and the technical work from the camera move to the lighting. To, it just... Played so well into it, so I I fucking anyway. Let's go on to uh sound. So our sound design, our sound design. I love this one, man. Um, because yet again, it it helped to invoke this this. I don't know, like if if anybody else knows what I'm talking about. I don't know how to voice what I'm trying to say a hundred percent, but it just felt very nuanced and very you know like i guess what i'm trying to say is if this film came out in i don't know early 2000s i feel as though it will still hold its weight right and i mean and and that's a fantastic thing because part of my my thought process is Sometimes when you're watching a film, it can date itself depending on numerous factors, you know, the the topics, how it's shot, the cars and everything else. But some of that stuff you can kind of get away with. But I really adore and love films that have almost timeless quality to it. And I really feel as though this film tapped into that timeless quality there. I'm like very early 2000s late 90s feel you you know even to the point uh i was watching it on netflix and i was trying to google um which is why i don't do it normally but i was like what was this what was this what was this project shot on and i and i couldn't find it but it also had this filmic look right so it was it was going back to camera it was grungy with the whatever lens or if they used film which or what have it. I feel as though they might have used film for this because it definitely didn't have that clean sharpness of a lot of digital films. Now it could be incorrect. And this could be a lot of post work. But I mean that as a compliment that it didn't scream digital. Like, look at me. I, I was shot on an AK camera or whatever the case may be. Loved it. And the sound really helped tie everything together even down to the choice uh, of some of the <laughs> some of the more obscure s- literal songs that were played in it i thought those are interesting as well too that once again added this almost timelessness because some of those songs were a little bit older you know and because of that it i feel as though you know 5 years from now this film will still be viable and was still really selling wouldn't look out of place. So bravo to them for that. Man, the sound design, I really loved they had this discordant kind of I think discordant, I think I said it right, sound when um Wally was going up to find his wife, Miss Judy, who was Alicia Silverstone, and there's like water dripping out from underneath the gate because the eli had ran up and was trying to find him or whatever anyway um but they had this fucking this dissonance that this musical sound dissonance that happened and it was irksome let's let's use that word it was irksome when it happened i was like oh i don't like that but when i said i don't like that i mean my ears didn't like it but i loved it in the vein of what this film is trying to portray. So, yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of the sound of this film. Huge fan of the cinematography. It's just, it's a beautiful, it is beautifully shot. Beautiful, man. Anyway, okay, so moving on, cause I'm just keep talking about this. So moving on, let's talk about, <laughs> I'm just keep talking about camera and sound. And it's not even like my forte. But is, they did such a good job. You know, um, even, you know, who editing? Oh, my gosh. The editing in this bad boy was I know I don't really talk a whole lot about editing, but that's because that is probably the one category that I know the least amount about. But I, I, I do. Appreciate and see when I see good editing or I see bad editing. This one had a lot of great editing points. Um, One of my favorites that that stood out uh, was the. It was the scene where our main guy, Tom Benicio was uh, technically he was sleeping, so they had the Eli character was essentially boxing a wall. So he's just hammering away at this wall. Right. And what I love about this is this is kind of tying all the three things that I talked about already is it's tying the camera work it's tying the sound together, and then the editing just really puts the bow on it. So you had this Eli character wailing away at this wall or this door with his fist pop pop, pop, pop bang bang, bang, bang bang, and it almost sounds like a hammer. It sounds like a fist sounds like a hammer, right? and he's just going ham on it, and then we end up getting a cut. To um, Tom's character who feels as though he's like shooting like, you know, so the hammering of the fist eventually evolves into the sound of a gunshot as you have Tom's character twitching his his palm. And I was like, that's just a beautiful it was just a beautiful way of. Editing those two together, you know, for the record, that would be called a match cut. So anybody who doesn't um, typically do film. So you have mat, you have visual match cuts and you have um, auditory match cuts. So a match cut is when you take visual is when you take a visual element that looks akin to something and then you make it into something else. So anybody, um, let's see, boom, trying to think about something that's recently. I don't know if you. If you have a, a a basketball, right, and a character shoots a basketball into the hoop, or he he's sh- having a one on one game and he shoots it, and then that the camera tracks it as it go up in the into the air and it becomes the moon, or vice versa, it's a moon and then whatever, you know what I'm saying? It's because they're both spherical, so they look akin. So use them as a match. It's matching, and the same thing can be done for auditory cues as well too. So, that hammering, that bang, 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 that then turns to a gunshot, is auditory kind of sort of match cut. And then I think I explained a little bit on the previous between J and L cuts. J cut is imagine in your mind, okay, guys, people, imagine for those who aren't filmmaking people or don't know. So, a J cut, imagine in your mind, the letter J, capital J, okay. And then <laughs> and then imagine you mind a capital L. Right. So you have your J. And if you look at the bottom where that J curves down to the left, the reason it's called a J cut is you would imagine that the sound is on the bottom. So that little curve, that little bottom part of the J that goes backwards to the left means it cuts into the previous scene and the L cut does the reverse. So a sound from a precluding scene Will travel into a new scene if it's a J cut. If it's an L cut, whatever scene you're watching now, that sound will continue into said new scene. That's just gave you a little, little, little quick tidbit about it. So, anyway, that's what that whole thing is about, right? And I really, man, I just really, yeah, I adored it. So, I, I feel like I was rambling a little bit about that one because I'm just geeking out about this. So, anyway, um, yeah, let's talk some production design. All right, so production design, y'all know typically this is what I normally start off with. Um, but those previous ones, the, the the lighting, the camera work and the sound that I brought up before really stuck out to me. So I really kind of wanted to jump into that. Now, let's talk about my typical thing that I typically really get excited about and that's production design which includes art costumes it's a it's a big category i i enjoyed this production design a lot once again everybody all the department heads of this film tied together all of the elements so beautifully right As I was speaking about the natural um, feel with the lighting and the camera work, the same can be applied to the production design. I. I loved the look of uh, Wally's house, Wally and Judy's house, it looked very much lived in once again, that that sense of comfort that I told you was prevalent from the beginning and. I really like that. No, everybody's clothes like sometimes, especially in some of these crime dramas, you get a detective that is. um, I don't know. Super sharp dressing or what have you. But I feel as though. I don't know any detectives, right? (laughs) In real life. But I feel I feel as though. The way they dress the detectives in here feel very much. Close to real life, you know what I mean? Like if a detective showed up dressed like how any of these detectives dressed, I, I, you know, I feel as though it sold it. It wasn't somebody in a fancy expense, super expensive, you know, suit that's tailor fit or anything like that. And I really like that. Of course, with a film like this, where you had Justin Timberlake's character, Will, he's a real estate agent. I do feel as though you sometimes have to up the game as far as the look of the homes that are showcased in said film. Um, I actually know the location manager, his um, Mr. Michael Woodruff. So he listens to this. Shout out to Michael. <laughs> um, I actually, messaged him because he actually has a cameo at the very end of the film as well, where he's one of the um, FBI people that rolls up on a golf cart anyway. But even the, the homes were beautifully done. They weren't over the top. So they were very, once again, it it, it invoked this every day kind of this can be happening all around. You feel you didn't feel as though it was outside of your purview or what was possible in your own neighborhood you know so i thought that was really cool um but yeah production design was amazing i love the 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 homes that they chose i love the costumes especially um uh, wally's not wally sorry especially (laughs) especially benicio's tom's character i really love like the penny loafers you know it's once again when i was talking about this timelessness that the film has I don't see many people rocking Penny Loafers, even if they're older guys, you know, but his character was. And I feel as though that said a lot about his character, why he chose Penny Loafers. I don't know, but it gave a nice look to it. Maybe he's more old school in his thought process and how he thinks about things. I feel as though that add a little bit to his character. I. Yeah it was just a nice a nice touch you know and as far as the color I, I loved the the coolness of the color palette right you had your your blues greens and then they had pops of like this blush and red occasionally but i loved the the cool neutral tones that they that they had in pretty much every single shot it tied everything together well and it played because it showed in everyone's um, environment in a natural way. So it didn't you, you know, sometimes you might watch a movie and you have, I don't know, the antagonist might have this crazy ass look. And then you have the protagonist have this crazy color palette or something that's super contradictory. And this one, everything just kind of worked together to make it, once again, feel like it's very real world, at least to me. And I really, really enjoyed that. So, yeah. Um, Production design. What else do I want to say about this, man? I I loved how... Oh, speaking of which, Eli's house. How run down it was. And how much shit was everywhere. Because, you know, we all know those people that just have a crazy shit ton of stuff everywhere in their house. And... I feel as though they really sold it on that when they showed his house. It was just it was well done. I I found myself getting swept away and once again, I am a firm believer that no matter whether it's camera sound, not, I I firmly believe that nothing should call too much attention to itself. It should all all benefit the story. And if any of it doesn't then it's a distraction and that's what you don't want, right? So good job on the production design, guys. Um and once again Anthony Bruno, if you're listening, shout out to you. Great job on that. I man, I really, I really, oh man. I if I had to say one of the my my favorite sets from this one, it would probably be Eli's I'm thinking, like his house and how it looked, and it just had. Once again, it had, and even Sam, um, who was Summer's ex uh, husband, they just had this. I really feel as though if I went into a town, I would see all these places. Nothing was spectacular, and that's my thing. When sometimes you watch a movie and you're like, okay, that looks nice, but it doesn't look authentic, you know? Like if you watch a film. And like for me, all right, for example, I, I do on set dressing a lot. Uh, so often, you know, when you have windows and mirrors, then you kind of want to be on your toes about, you know, whether or not, they need to be cleaned or wiped down. So me for 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 what it's worth for me. I'm usually on standby. You know, I I try to make sure I understand the feel and theme of the project that I'm working on, and more importantly, the art director, production designer that I'm working for, but also the director and the DP and what they may or may not want. Right, and I think that's super important, right? Because as I mentioned, this film has a dirtiness to it, uh, a grunginess, and I really like that because I I am not a fan of watching those films that are so pristine and beautiful you know like if i watch a film in every mirror in every glass in the house unless that character is anti retentive and a cleaner then i don't think that it always has to be super clean right because unless you are that type of person then okay you know we all like oh man i forgot to dust the the ceiling fan you know and or you know you get a little bit of dust around the ceiling fan or whatever because we all let stuff kind of get away from us a little bit so unless it's pertinent for the character i love grunge you know so for the most part because it looks lived in it has like you know there was the scene with um Tom and his, uh, his, his partner, the detective partner, and they were inside the car, right? For example, and the windshield had grunginess on it, you know, for a lack <laughs> for a lack of better term, um, Dan was the, the partner's name, but it had this grunginess to it because everything like I, whose car, you know, windows, all the windows are always super clean. Like I call bullshit on it. Right. And whenever I watch a film that has everything being super pristine, it drives me bonkers because I don't feel as though it's reflective on life and to life. And I feel as though art and especially filmmaking, filmmaking especially, is a reflection. Is supposed to be a reflection of life, you know, unless you're doing some kind of surrealism. Did I say that right? Surrealism. There we go. (laughs) Or you know, some um, high high concept something or another like oh the dirtiness of this is fantastic and once again this is comes from a dp and production design it made it feel lived it made it feel real and i love that about it so great job on the production design guys um let's see what else i what else i need to talk about i talked a little bit about the editing editing is fantastic lighting so yeah so i think it's gonna do it for a lot of the uh Crew-based kind of stuff. So now we're going to get into possibly my favorite part. It is. Let's just be honest with you. Let's go into my subjective viewpoints. Alrighty, so man, um, uh, hmm, hmm, hmm. I don't even know where to start on this. Where do I start? First of all, I really enjoyed this film. I just want to say that um the acting in here is fantastic and you know i'll go as far as to say i'll i'll put i maybe i put my foot in my mouth a little bit with justin now i'm not gonna say do i think justin timberlake should win any awards for his acting in this no but he did a solid okay and justin timberlake if you're listening to this i'm not trying to shit on you (laughs) i love your music man but no to be completely honest with you this i i pref- this was probably um my favorite performance of his he played like this um privileged nice guy douchebag. and i feel as though he was walking a tightrope and i feel as though he did a really good job better than i thought he would have done um when i first saw his name in the credit so kudos to you but man everybody in this fucking film benicio killed it um alto killed it alicia silverstone did a solid let me tell you freaking dominic Lombard- Lombardosi, that guy was fucking amazing he played wally he wasn't in a lot of scenes but when he was in the scene Oh buddy was it good. He did a fantastic job. He um You know Yeah, I have no complaints on acting in this that I can think about. Like I don't think anybody went over the top. Alicia, like I said, she was solid, enjoyable, really enjoyed her performance. Um I I love how she and Tom's character essentially kind of worked together. They're you know like Batman and Robin, kind of sort of like solving these crimes. That was cool. I don't think I've really seen that a whole lot where she's helping or the wife or the spouse is really helping the other person in that supportive kind of manner. So that was nice. That was a nice touch to me. And Eric Bogosian was he played um, Captain Allen. That that man, he's a great actor in general. So I haven't seen much that um that he's done that I have not appreciated or liked either. So, yeah, man, this acting across the board, man. Well done, guys. I I thoroughly enjoyed watching this. And I'm I'm really trying to think about if there was anything that took me out of it. And. I don't think so. I really don't Um one now. Yeah, we'll get to that later. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the acting was well done. Well done, guys. Um, yeah, there's nobody I didn't like. I was trying to think if there's anybody that I feel stretched a little bit, but, you know, I'm going to say no. Um, anywho. Now, g- going on to to the story elements of this. I, um, you know what, before we go to the story elements of it, I will say that I'm still not sold when Justin Timberlake gets angry <laughs> or like, you know, uh, threatening. And I don't know if it's because of the voice or. Because. In sync or something, it's just. I don't. <laughs> whenever he's being threatening, like when he's threatening Eli to move his foot, it just wasn't threatening to me. Is you know Eli has his foot in the door because he's pretty much being threatening essentially. And he's like, "Move your fucking foot!" I'm like, "All right, that's not, that's not, <laughs> that's not threatening." But once again, I don't know if it's because of Justin Timberlake or his vocal usage or how he delivers threatening lines to the point that they're not very threatening. Anyway, um back to the story. So I did not know I, I saw there was a crime drama mystery and I didn't really know what to expect from this. Like I said earlier, it gave me definitely gave me venture vibes and what's the one with um Hugh Jackman and um Ooh, I forgot the name of that one. Anyway. It's it's interesting because often I, I don't think I'm quick to jump to crime dramas, right? Uh I don't and I don't know why. Maybe it's because I feel as though some of them Some of them try too hard. You know, and I what I think I like about this one is aside from the acting and the pacing and everything was well constructed in this particular film to the point that I didn't feel because I'm not a big like when it comes to TV, I'm not a big procedural person. I don't really watch a lot of procedurals. Um, It's just not my particular bag or cup of tea. So when a crime drama feels too procedural for me, I typically am not a big fan of it. And this one I feel as though I didn't get a lot of that procedural feel. It was just. Drama with some mystery, you know, and it happened to revolve around a crime, but. I will say that there were. A couple characters that I didn't quite understand why they were in there, for example, the caretaker of the church. He had a bit of awkwardness to him right and i and i and i feel as though maybe perhaps and you know maybe his job in this particular piece because when when that scene came up i was like okay where's this guy coming from why is he acting so fucking weird and creepy maybe he doesn't see a lot of people i don't know but i feel as though he maybe, perhaps he's supposed to be red hair right because he clearly has blonde ish hair i remember they found the blonde hair the uh what do they call those people the the coroner found hair on her and it was blonde. So I feel as though that was the purpose of the church caretaker. Because other than that, I don't really understand that character or why it was important to have that character there. Maybe I'm just crazy. I don't know. So yeah, if anybody disagrees, then by all means, tell me maybe it's something that I missed, you know, but so the caretaker was a little off. I, I, understood Will's mother uh because Miss Camille Camille Grady who's played by Frances Fisher because that kind of you know lends a hand into Will and his shadiness is, is clearly learned from her you know what i mean um so i thought that was her character i understood her character I didn't think it was super important, but I think it definitely helped to paint more of Will. And I don't know if that is supposed to be. Are we supposed to be sympathetic with Will because he didn't have a choice and this is the life he grew up in or what? And I think that's what I mean by that's the most confusing part about the mother's character in combination with Will's character. Clearly, he's a bad guy. He's doing bad things. Um, But then it also begs the question. it, it, It brings up. You know, the. Because that's the way he was raised. Should he know better? Yes. Can he help it, though? You know, and. Is she the more evil of the person? How much? does she really know? And and it makes me feel as though that she may have, and I think, and that's part of the, the mystery. One of the mysteries for me is how involved was the mom's character, right? Did, did she know about any of this? Did she teach him? And, you know, she said that her husband got him into, got her into it. so, how much of this is her puppeteering him? Cause you know, even she was like, Oh, I hate your beard and you got to wear a tie. So she seems very manipulative and controlling, but how, how much of a hand did she play into? Well, everything, you know, did she even like summer? We don't know because I think summer was, summer was gone (laughs) before we really got to see more of the mom. So yeah, anyway, um, what I really so yeah the the church guy was a bit of a red herring because he had the blonde hair so whatever I guess so um, I did think it was weird that Eli was in a shower and washing his hair and you saw like ink black ink coming out but I could have sworn he had darker brunette hair to begin with so I don't really know what that is and this is once again. This is one of those films that I feel as though would definitely be great on a second watch through, right? Because there are some, like, whose blonde hair is this? Because is, is Eli's hair blonde? Because I don't think so. I, I, I could have sworn, well, Wally was, was bald. Captain Allen had gray hair. So who are we supposed to believe this blonde hair came from? Was it supposed to be the church guy? Like, who and And that might be the mystery, who was the one who actually um i don't know killed summer so yeah the all three you know the captain was involved, and will was involved, and Wally was involved, and the other um the chief guy um chief Graber graybeer they were all involved, okay, I get that. Then, then who did what, how, and when? You know what I mean. And that's, and maybe that's the part, or maybe I missed something. That's a that's a a huge possibility that I missed something along the while watching it. But I also think that that is part of the good thing about this film is the nuance in which they played, bouncing back and forth on who to trust. Like at one point in time. I was like, oh, okay, man, Wally. I really liked this guy because he was energetic and he had this charisma. You know what I mean? And then towards, I started figuring out the oh shit, nope. I started putting two and two together with the private thing and the whitefish, whatever. I was like, oh no, Wally. And you know what? What really make tick tipped me off for Wally not being the best guy was it was like, oh, you want one of them girls? Yeah, I know you're married. I don't care. How about you go get a headache and then I'll have him bring you some Excedrin, right? And then, you know, y'all can bang. I'm not going to tell about like Wally, don't be a dick. And that was kind of the tip off. Like, oh, this guy's maybe not the best. And then with the watch gag, which I thought was pretty cool. I'm like, no, you can take it. You have it. So he's trying to buy him a little bit. And so those moments were really nice and layered. Man, that got like, once again, Dominic, man. His performance was freaking amazing. Uh let's see, where else? Uh I hmm I feel as though I'm still very much, like I said, out on a limb here as far as who did the actual business. And I like the layering of the hero. Now I do feel I don't know, there's something about Like Wally, for however long they've been doing it, you know, even the guy like, how long have you been doing the, you know, the narcotics thing? And you it's been a while or whatever the the dialogue was for that. I felt as though for how long he's been doing it. Why would they wrap this Heron with this I don't. My little pony fucking tape around all these other detectives and cops. That was one of my issues that I had with them. Like, all right, that's not the. It's a very and then they didn't replace it. I don't know how you know. I don't have bricks of of her, heroin. <laughs> so i don't know how it works like if you tape it up then you take the tape off does everything go everywhere i don't fucking know but something's telling me that maybe maybe not but if it did and he's been doing it for so long why would you wrap it up with this fucking um care bear <laughs> duct tape that's cra- and then why would you just randomly have care bear duct tape at this crime scene that's very bizarre and then why would you keep it on there these are things like wally you fucked up you fucked up wally you know you fucked up right because you fucked, you fucked yourself, congratulations, Um, so that to me was like, okay, I get it, it was to help us see, you know, um, Tom's detective skills and everything else, but also, I feel like, while you're a fucking moron, for however long they say he's been doing this, and you do something that stupid in front of that many people, and then you just take it to, you know, to set the other guy up, like, And then you, you, it's in evidence for the same thing. And it's so interesting because apparently he's been doing this for so long. And clearly it's because the captain knew and, um, who's the other Graeber knew. So they were able to essentially sweep it under the rug all this time or, you know, or nail it on somebody else. So I get that. But, oh, you know, I wonder, hmm, I just thought about it. Maybe because Alan did say something about uh Tom's ex-partner that he was partners with for six years. They end up going down or whatever when they had to transfer. And they called Tom character a rat. So maybe Alan thought that everything would be cool and copacetic with Tom's character. But I feel as though because... At his last precinct, he, quote unquote, to use the the terminology they use in the movie, in the film, they he ratted on his other partner that they would. I feel as though I would like, oh, I don't know. You know, he might have known about it for six years, but he did rat him out. You know, so it's like from from Scarborough Police Department. Do you guys believe that he was covering up for his partner this whole time? And if that's the case, why would he decide to rat him out all of a sudden? Or were you half and half like, you know, what I mean, so to me, it's like maybe they got too big for the bridges and they thought, oh, no, we'll be fine. We're good. We're OK. I don't know. So that was a little bit of a short sightedness for me from the, the heads of this department and everything I'm doing, you know, maybe they got sloppy. Maybe that's it. Maybe Captain Allen just grew a little soft because it was interesting number 1 like uh tom didn't make a, a backup copy of the thumb, thumb drive which would have been as soon as I saw I would have been like oh I'm copying this shit and then if he especially if he thought that there were crooked cops on a payroll I'm I'm making copies and i will say that i did not expect graybird to be a part of it nor allen you start to suspect wally because he was kind of douchebag trying to get you know, time to sleep with other people. Um, but Tom, I think what I like about um, Captain Allen was you were you almost felt a bit of um, you felt sorry for him, right? Because uh, clearly he's aging out, and what did he say? He did he say he had multiple sclerosis? I forgot what he said he had. Don't don't judge me, but he had something happening health wise, right? um so it it made you empathetic to him almost right and he just seemed like a genuinely nice guy so you wouldn't suspect him and i damn sure didn't right until the end of like, oh shit but then he still ended up being a nice guy which i thought was a nice little touch um doesn't i mean they shot the fuck out of him though man golly he didn't get to the top of stairs before he got shot so who he did not go out in the best way possible but um out of all the cops what was it just like victor the the black uh the african-american bald uh guy he he, he and tom benicio del toro's character were the only innocent people in this whole thing which was kind of i don't know refreshing you know um yeah, because especially in my opinion and not to bring, you know, make it race a big thing in into this thing, but oftentimes when stuff like this then is typically like the African American or somebody is kind of embroiled in it as well too. So it was kind of like kind of cool that both of the African Americans they're like, "Oh no, we don't, you know, we good. We ain't no shit about this kind of sort of, you know. It's just so anyway, so that was a nice little touch. Uh, what else do I have issues with aside from, you know, the bite mark? What was so important about the bite mark? This is why I was saying I, I need to watch it again because the bite mark, Victor's character brought the bite mark before and then it clearly came back around again. Um, And it's bizarre to me why if her hands were tied, why should would have bite marks on her hand? Because um, even if she was pushing away why would they bite into her skin, it's just a very. It's a biz- that was a bizarre thing, so there's a big question mark over that piece for me. I'm sure there's a reason because what I did like about this film, as I mentioned before, is that there were a lot of breadcrumbs dropped uh, they mostly came to fruition aside from the occasional red herring. Right. Um, It's also interesting to, is that not a thing people can do? You know, once again, I'm not a cop, but I just thought about it. If they had hair strands, are you not able to pull DNA from hair strands? Is that not a thing? So why show the hair strands other than being a red herring? Ah, so that's that's kind of sort of I, it's not my favorite thing, um, unless strand are supposed to be from the mom. But also, she's kind of graying. So she's like a gray blonde, but they didn't really show that she did it. And another thing that I have, the third issue that I have with this film, not a big issue, just the third question, I guess, would be. What was the point? Of Benicio del Toro's injured hand. That's. That's a big area of contention for me. Um, And they brought it multiple times. And then even more importantly, and maybe oddly. Why did they show it again at the end? Like what was happening with the wax thing? So the those, yeah, huh? And once again, maybe this is a mystery thing. Is this is this something that I should watch a second time to fill in those blanks or what? Anyway, I was getting, I'm thinking about it, and just the brain is just rolling around trying to figure out what happened. And yeah. Anyway, so yeah. So those are the three things that I had some some slight issue with. Without a doubt, it'll be. The red herring of the blonde hair, it would. So that would be the first one. It will be who actually committed the crime. Because maybe I missed that or something, and maybe the blonde hair was throwing me off and I missed it. Like who stabbed this motherfucker? That's why I want to know. Was it Will who actually stabbed her? Because, I mean, all three or four of them had a lot to gain from keeping her off of their trail. But three of them were cops and Will was dealing the only real estate agent. So did they pre- pressure him into doing it like, you know, anyway. And then the third thing was what's with Benicio's ha- hair? I mean, a hair hand. What's with his hand? Why is this important? Why did they um keep showing it? And what was the, the point of it at the end? Yeah. And last but not least, but a very very minimum thing. Why was it called Reptile? I'm always curious about how and why the titles of films exist. So, why Reptile? Is it chameleon? Like, you know, chameleons are reptiles, so they just kind of blend in with their environment, like the cops they were what they were doing. Huh? Which also, man, it brings so many questions now. So now I'm talking about, now I'm wondering, like, Sam, did Sam Gifford, the ex, did he know? He had to have known, right? Oh, man, my mind's being blown right now. This, I'm going to watch this. I might have to watch this a second time because now I'm thinking about it. Like, Sam had had all the drugs because he was a dealer. And those are the drugs they use. So how do they know about me? Okay, so maybe they didn't. Well, they knew he was a dealer. Oh, the oh, the informant. That's why. Because the informant. Um, yeah, that's where that's what kind of ties every a lot of the drug stuff together. But I wonder, did Sam know? Did Summer tell Sam what she was expecting? About all these people, and is that what made him nervous? Aside from you know the fact that he had a shit ton of heroin and coke in his house, is that what made him untrustworthy of the police officers? Interesting, interesting, interesting. Anywho, this was this all the mystery of this film. Once again, this is one of those films that I think I should watch again. I'm gonna watch it again. I might watch it with um you know a friend just. To hear their opinion and see what if they picked up on something that I missed. But. Yeah. So overall, what's my overall opinion here? Um, I enjoyed this film. You should. I feel as though you should watch the film because from a filmmaking standpoint, it is beautifully shot. It is well. um, Photographed. the the production design is amazing the acting is top notch the blocking is amazing so and you know even the writing is like the dialogue I like the dialogue I like I love a film with breadcrumbs and they definitely drop breadcrumbs all over the fucking place but I did have issues issue being the you know the the smurf duct tape on the heroin that's just a stupid fucking thing. The blonde hair. That's weird. So it's those things. That, and, and you know in Wally. Wally even brings the brick. To the captain. And to Tom. Which draws extra attention to I just, so the Oh that tape thing. Just really bothers me. It really bothers me. I don't understand why. He would be so sloppy in doing this. Anyway. Watch this film. I still enjoyed it, and once again, I think there might have been pieces that I missed, which is where my confusion, other than Wally, you know, I don't know, being egotistical or too comfortable uh, especially, I mean, if you're linked together with that many people, then comfort might definitely set in and you start to make mistakes or whatever but, enjoyed this film enjoyed the acting I loved the pacing of it, I loved the timelessness, the filmic, old school vibe that it had that is probably the most impressive part to me. I love the grungy dirtiness of it. The natural realness. And I would recommend this film to anybody in general. But especially if you're a person who likes, you know, crime dramas or whatever, you know. Oh, shit. I just thought about it. maybe that's why I keep getting the Fincher vibes, because the Fincher definitely does like the, the dirty crime drama thing well. Anywho. So, yeah, I think that's going to be it. I'd be curious to know what they what they cut out of the film um, that may have helped sell it. Because that I'm not quite sure, like Eli, I mean, you know, the wall that he was beating up, he had a sharpie in his hand. What was written on these on the wall that he was punching? It's so interesting. I got to watch this again. Give it a watch guys uh hopefully you enjoy it enjoyed it excuse me hopefully you enjoyed it I'm curious to know what you thought about it if you have any thoughts then feel free to email me or, or slide into my dms uh and thank you guys for listening I don't know this is a good one it's i I find sometimes that some of the 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 <laughs> some of the films with the more interesting and layered writing really makes me think about it well after the show is ended. But I love films like that. So, yeah, go give it a watch. It's on um, the flicks if you get a chance to and hope you enjoy it. Thank you for listening and tune in next week. I don't know what the next film is going to be. So, you know, I was trying to think about I think I'm going to just drop a little teasers on Tuesday or Wednesday about the next film. I don't know. We'll see. But I think it might be a comedy. Thank you guys for listening. Um, tell your friends if you enjoyed this uh, rate me five stars. Share like if you didn't enjoy this. Don't like shit on me, guys. Just um drop me a line. Let me know. You know, email me at flicks and scripts, the podcast at gmail.com. Slide into my DMs. Tell me, you know, things I can improve, things that um, I should have done better. Or if it's some shit that I missed in, you know, one of my reviews, then like, oh, hey, I think this is why. Because I would love to have a bit of a, you know, open communication, open dialogue about it. Thank you for listening. I hope you guys have a great week. I will not see you guys. I guess you will hear me next week. And just remember, guys, like, you know, filmmaking is art. And this is one of the reasons why I love film. It opens up communication. It's a way for no matter what you're, you know, your camera person, sound person, whatever you get to work as a village to tell a story, to tell art that has a lasting effect on people because art is love, guys. So go out there, make some art. Have a good week.